This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. President Joe Biden says he's deeply disappointed by the recent federal court ruling against DACA, the Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals program enacted under the Obama administration. Biden has vowed to appeal the ruling by Judge Andrew Hannon, a federal judge known for harboring anti-immigrant views. Hannon's ruling now prevents new applicants from accessing DACA, but preserves, at least for the moment, those who are already enrolled. One of them is my guest, Fatima Flores. She's the political director of the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights in Los Angeles, or CHIRLA. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I want to talk about who this judge is, but first let's talk about his decision. What Mm -hmm. precisely did he, as far as you understand, say? New applicants aren't allowed, but current uh, DACA holders such as yourself are okay to to remain in the country under these uh, particular legal constraints? Yes. Um, what we know about the 70-plus page decision is that any new applications that have not been processed and any new applications that will be submitted will not be decided on. So this means that right now the current backlog of thousands of DACA recipient hopefuls will not have a decision on their case. Um, as a reminder, uh, the DACA process is very time-sensitive. It is expensive, so there are a lot of people that have been very hopeful that they would get a decision on their case soon, and now they're frozen, right? They're not going to have a decision anytime soon. For those of us that currently have DACA, our DACA status, we have the ability to continue to renew. But again, there's a lot that has yet to be determined, so we have to be very vigilant on what's going to come down next. What did he base his decision on? I mean, this is a program that has, you know, of course, been attacked by Republicans uh, predictably, but has managed to survive earlier court challenges. Yeah, you said it clearly. This is an attack on our immigrant communities, right? Since 2018, Republicans across the nation have been attack- have been attacking the legality of the DACA program. We just saw what happened a few years ago with the Supreme Court decision, and now the uh, the judge Andrew Hannon is making another attempt at destroying the program. When we know that DACA is incredibly popular, there have been a lot of contributions from DACA recipients, as far as not only most recently through the pandemic, where we've had nurses and doctors and frontline workers and essential workers that have been contributing to the pandemic and ensuring that we get out of it safely. But now it's another attack on our communities and hopefuls that just want to give back to the country that they call home. And this is something that was not only done in Texas, but it was a coalition of different states and attorney generals and governors that are once again attacking the legality of the program. Um, From what we know of President Biden's announcement that they plan to appeal it, but we know how costly and also how time consuming. And honestly, as someone that has DACA, um, it's you get anxious, right? You don't know if this is going to get up to the courts again. You don't know how long you're going to be in limbo, which is why we are determined not only as Chila, but hundreds of organizations across the country to make sure that immigrants have a pathway to legalization through the reconciliation program. So we can finally end the limbo and the constant fear that our lives have become 
so far in the country. So let's talk about that. What is the legal recourse, or I should say, what is the legislative recourse that the Biden administration and Congress have at this moment? Because for too long, tens of thousands, really hundreds of thousands of, of people like yourself have become basically a political football in the uh, American landscape. So there needs to be, of course, a legislative um, outcome, uh, you know, some sort of reconciliation to to end this once and for all so that your life isn't dependent on who's occupying the White House or which judge, and in this case was one appointed by George W. Bush, um, decides that you shouldn't, you know, necessarily or new people shouldn't be allowed to enroll. So what can Biden do? Yes. So for political context, immigration reform hasn't always been this politicized, right? Um, back in 2001, the Gang of Eight put forward the first version of the of the Dream Act, and at that time, it had bipartisan support. All of that changed after September 11th, when anti-immigrant and anti-refugee and asylee rhetoric got really high. So from that moment on, like you just described, we've been political pawns where people use our contribution in our lives to make something more, more cohesive, right? They use our narrative, they use our story to put us in the middle of these political situations. And for a lot of DACA recipients like myself, I grew up in that world. I grew up not only being um, oppressed and marginalized, but through that effort, we found our voice. We have also discovered our power and what we can do now as adults, what we couldn't do as kids to fight for comprehensive immigration reform, not only for ourselves, but also for our families. So um, I just wanted to give that context that this is possible. One of the legal avenues that we are considering is what I just mentioned, the reconciliation process. This now becomes a economic conversation where thousands upon thousands of immigrants have contributed to the economy. And as we just saw from the pandemic, that we have also been able to help the country get out of it, right? Essential workers, farm workers, custodial workers at hospitals, nurses and doctors, paramedics. So we have that ability to have that conversation and we hope that the Senate parliamentarian is able to consider our contributions as part of the reconciliation package. There's also the US Citizenship Act of 2021 that was introduced by President Biden within the first 100 days of his inauguration. We also have HR 6, the Dream and Promise Act, which has passed the House, and now we need to pass the Senate. And lastly, the other conversation that we're having is about the registry date, where this was something that happened under the, the Reagan administration, where people were able to adjust their status. And we can do that again with the registry date by bringing that date up, not only from 1987, which is the last time that it was updated, but up to 2010. So we have a menu of options. We just need Congress and the Senate to actually have the political will to act so that we're no longer a political pawn. So the reconciliation process through the Senate requires a mere majority, simple majority rather than a super majority. It gets around the issue of the filibuster, which, of course, has been a, an obstacle to most progressive legislation since Biden took uh, office and, you know, really since maybe Obama. But the, uh, so in, in, in treating DACA as an economic issue, because it's only budgetary issues can be treated, uh, can, can be passed using a simple majority using the reconciliation process, who in Congress would be willing to, and in the Senate would be, you know, do, do you have on your side that's getting ready to do just that? 
So one of the champions for legalization and immigration reform efforts has been Senator Padilla here of California. He has been incredibly unapologetic about ensuring that we're part of the reconciliation process. We've also been um, talking with Senator Feinstein to ensure that she also helps us get across the finish line. But we, we know that there are other senators that we also need to ensure are here in our corner, right? We need to ensure that Senator Sinema, that Senator Kelly, Kelly, and then that Senator Manchin are also able to, to help us get across the finish line because again, these programs are incredibly popular. Uh, immigrants contribute to the economy every single day and we need to be part of that reconciliation package, especially with what's happening with the Hannon decision because if this were to be appealed and be sent to the Supreme Court, we don't know what's gonna happen after that, right? So this really is our one shot to ensure that immigrants, um, not only Shostaka recipients, TPS holder and essential workers, but 11 million tax paying, law abiding, undocumented immigrants are also part of these efforts. Let's talk about the judge who made this decision on DACA. You mentioned it was a decision in a federal court in Texas because the it was the attorney general of Texas that, among others, brought this lawsuit. They did this on purpose, right? He has history going back to at least 2016 when um, he was called upon by Republicans to essentially rule against immigrants. Uh, there's even some news coverage suggesting he was too anti-immigrant for Trump himself. So what is your take on this judge, Judge Andrew Hannon? Yeah, um, the, when it comes to the judge, this isn't his only act, right? Um, this isn't his only demonstration against immigrant populations. He was also the same judge that, um, that sued DAPA, the Deferred um, Action for Parental Arrivals, where a lot of our parents are the original dreamers, right? They came to this country seeking opportunity to work hard, to pay taxes and give back to their communities. And this is a program that was also um, attempted under the Obama administration, but Judge Hannon once again <laughs> um, came in and tried to distinguish that, that program. So now he's back to try and destroy DACA. And again, so this, this follows a pattern of anti-immigrant rhetoric, anti-immigrant behavior. We understand that a lot of these judges um, don't see us as human, and we're here to remind them that we are contributing members of society, that our, that our lives and that our identities are valid, and moreover, that we contribute to the country. So to me, as a DACA recipient, um, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of people like Judge Hannon. It only spurs more fire to ensure that we're fighting that much harder for our communities because there may be four or five of him, but there's millions of us. We have allies, we have advocates. There are organizations across the nation that are ready to throw down and fight with us. And that's exactly what we're gonna do until the end. You mentioned that uh, if the Justice Department appeals this, which Biden has said it will uh, appeal this decision, that it is a long legislative path that has a lot of uncertainty, a lot of time, while folks like yourself and those whose applications are in limbo are sitting around waiting. And yet even the legislative path is not guaranteed, long, uncertain, and subject to political fights, even within the Democratic Party as well with the centrists and the party like Cinema and Manchin. Um, so is it worth having both being both paths being pursued simultaneously, right? If the Justice Department does appeal this, which it looks like it will, it may end up going to the Supreme Court. 
possibly sooner than any legislative solution is reached. And if that is the case, um, we, there is a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. Um, it's not clear if it's an, an entirely anti-immigrant conservative majority, but that's not a very comforting thought either, right? Exactly. You just, you just laid it out. And that's why we're that much more fervent in our efforts now. And we also have to recognize that the 2022 elections are right around the corner. We have to remember that a lot of senators and representatives are going to be fighting to get reelected and policy and administration is going to take a backseat to their reelection campaigns or their first time election campaigns, which is why we are upping the ante that much more this year. We can't we can't leave 2021 without some legalization efforts being decided on and out on the table when it comes to the options that we have. There's a menu of options. We're going to approach every single one aggressively because, again, for the longest time we've been told stay in your lane, um, do this instead of that. And it's a lot of people like myself that grew up in this world. We're done waiting. We're done having to take a back seat. We want to have um, a seat at the table and continue pushing for these options because I came to this country when I was six and I am 30 now. And I am one of million that has been waiting for something to happen. And now we're going to gain that opportunity by fighting every single day until something happens. So we're done waiting. We're done playing nice. We're, we're here to stand in solidarity with our communities and being relentless because the Republicans and the GOP are relentless against us. So we're going to fight that much harder. Because Trump stalled the program when it was reinstated, tens of thousands of people who might have been able to apply and get in, who had to wait because of Trump, began applying. And of course, the backlog and the low staffing rates at the Department of Homeland Security kept many of these folks in limbo. Now, these are the ones, the newer applicants who, you know, should have been in, should have had their status a year or two ago. They're the ones that are affected, right? I mean, this is, they, they perhaps might be in the worst situation in this, in, in this whole context. Yeah, and it's it's honestly very scary because um, I I have the ability to to say that I have my permit and the the amount that has been changed because of that right I've been able to graduate from college I contribute back to my communities I I have an incredible job at an organization that I love I've been able to unlock my potential and really be able to achieve my dreams but there are there are hopefuls that aren't getting that right now there's a backlog of over 50,000 applications, 50,000. <laughs> Can we talk about the, the, the political cost that that is having on our nation of hopefuls that want to become not only professionals, but also they just want to, they just want to be, we want to be liberated. We don't want to have all of these different stigmas and stresses impacting us every single day as it has for the past 20, 30 years for a lot of our community members. We have we have different programs here at Chidla that focus on getting getting um, college students and high school students along the their their legalization efforts, especially when it comes to DACA. And now they've been told stop. You have to wait again, right? After having already submitted your application, which is very time intensive, you have to go back years and supply those records. You have to pay upwards of five hundred dollars. Um, that's just for the application fee. If you have to hire a lawyer, that's another $1,500 to $2,000. Again, this is something that is not 
easy. It's not feasible. We put our work in and we expect the government to be able to follow by that social contract that if you put this out there, we're going to pay it back. And that has been once again stalled. So it's incredibly frustrating. And, and my heart truly does go out to people because, um, and especially all of the new applicants that aren't going to get this opportunity because I know exactly what it did to change my life and why we're that much more determined to make sure that we get something before the year is over. I will mention there are new applicants, but I should have also mentioned the fact that um, one's status is not a permanent thing. You have to renew your status every couple of years, right? So were there people whose status expired and who were waiting to renew or have their renewal applications um, uh, be approved? Were they impacted as well? One of the, the main things that we encourage um, at Chila is don't let your status go expired. Do not let it because then that triggers a whole different series of processes. So um, we always encourage our applicants and the different people that want to renew their status is to get get in early, make sure that you have all of your supporting documents available. Here at Chidla, we offer a, um, we have a whole department that's dedicated to legal services to helping you get all of your documents ready, get that application ready to go, ensuring that we have everything that is set so that once your once that um, renewal period opens back up again, your application is ready to go. Um, I recently, <laughs> This happened um, about a week and a half ago. We knew that this hand in decision was going to be coming down very soon and that we could kind of feel what direction it was going to go in. I was actually able to renew my status and I got my renewal a week and a half ago. Wow. That is how real the situation is. Um, so again, this is something that is personal, not only to I, but to all of our membership, our staff here at Chidla. Um, for anybody that did go um, that whose um, status is expired, I encourage you to once again call our legal, our legal services hotline so that they can get in touch with you and find out what options you have. But please do not let that status go unexpired. We want to make sure that you're able to stay safe and documented for as long as we can until we get something more permanent. So there's the legislative path, the legal path. What about the activism path? What, you know, it, it was dreamers, so-called dreamers like yourself, marching in the streets unafraid that pushed President Obama to first create this program or launch this program. Um, what are, are, do you know of plans for folks like yourself and even though, especially the ones that are, uh, that, that, whose applications are on hold, taking to the streets, showing up, you know, showing up outside. I know in Texas in particular, there's a very vibrant immigrant community and likely a lot of DACA holders. Yeah, one of the things that we do at, here at Chidla is all of our action are based and acted upon by our membership. We have over 13 different memberships, over 30,000 members across the state of California. And really they are the pulse and the heart and the ears of our community. So we listen to them. We, we get back that information on what they want to do, and then we strategize, we organize, and we throw down based on how ready they are. And let me tell you, they're, they're ready to go. <laughs> so over the course of the next few months, Chidla, the civic engagement department that I lead, policy and advocacy, we're going to be running a series of different programs and actions to really bring this up and escalate everything that's happening. Because again, we can't we can't leave the month of October without some kind of resolution and 
some kind of package for immigrants in that reconciliation effort or pushing through the registry date, pushing through the USCA or HR6 or the farm worker modernization bill. So we have a lot of things that are gonna be coming up. Uh, if anybody wants to stay plugged in, I encourage and welcome them to visit chidla.org. We also have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we're on all the social medias so that if our allies are ready to throw down, they can with us. I recently said that the time to stand on the sidelines is over. Our lives are gonna be very different next year. And the only way that we're gonna get this across the finish line is by working collectively, making sure that our voices are focused and centered. And so that our congressional and Senate members and the White House pays attention to what we're doing and we are actually able to get legalization efforts finally after 20, 30, 40 plus years of political inaction. Fatima, I wanna thank you so much for joining us today. Good luck to you. Thank you so much. My guest has been Fatima Flores, a political director of the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights in Los Angeles, or Chirla. She's a DACA holder herself. We've been discussing the recent federal court ruling against DACA and what's next current uh, for DACA holders' current and perspective. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and watch all of our video interviews. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.